And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Seven fifty-five is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty. Welcome back to Seven Fifty-Five is Real. I'm David O'Brien, Braves writer for the Athletic. I'm with my co-host, former Braves reliever Eric O'Flaherty. What's happening out in uh, Walla Walla? What's up, Eric? Eric? Walla Not Walla, much, Washington. Man. Slow, a little slower pace out here. I want you to know a girl from Walla Walla. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> no, I didn't. That just sounds like a song. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Slower pace, man. I, I'm sure it is. What's the size of Walla Walla, by the way? Probably 50,000. 50,000? Okay. Is there yeah. is there a college there? Yeah, there's Whitman College. My parents went there. Where's Gonzaga? Uh, How far away? Two hours. It's, it's in Spokane. Okay. But you got Zags fans everywhere out here. Oh, I'm sure. Jeez. Well, uh, people that I know, I know only a small segment of the people came here to hear about Gonzaga and Walla Walla. Yeah. So let's uh, let's get on to the subject at hand. The Bravos, man. They uh, they had a big day yesterday. The doubleheader sweep of the Nationals. Things were starting to look a little grim on Twitter and elsewhere from Braves fans with the 0-4 start. But it's amazing, isn't it, how... One day, two seven-inning games can can make everything feel a lot different. Yeah, yeah I mean, you come home zero and six, or two and four, or three and five. You know, I mean, like the difference in those numbers is pretty big. But like we talked about before, this stuff happens during the season. It's just yeah, magnified. You know, it's nice to it's nice to put that behind you right now and go home feeling good versus sitting on a really bad record and having to ask and you know answer questions for a few more days. Yeah, you didn't want to come home, have a day off, and then have your home opener and expect people to be all excited about you know, an 0-16 yeah. that's, uh, you know, or 1-5 team. So, but you went to. I remember 2009, uh, me and Moylan blew a game in Philly. And we I think we played a three-game series in Philly. And we blew like a nine-game lead. The whole plan did. <laughs> uh-huh. Or a nine-run lead. Uh-huh. And we got booed just getting intro- introduced on opening day at the the Braves home opener. <laughs> I was like, damn, <laughs> they're not excited about this at all. So I mean, yeah, you definitely don't you don't want to get off to a bad start like that. Now they got you know fans got something to feel good about. Uh, you opened on the road that year. Yeah, imagine imagine that. It's a crazy stat about how many times the Braves have opened on the road. Um, and I still haven't got a good explanation for why they open on the road so much more than they do at home. But the weird thing is they've opened more at Philly or as much or more at Philly in the last like 15 years as they have at home. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's something. I mean, you'd think that the teams in the South with the better weather would get, Yeah, you'd almost start every Northern team on the road if if it was up to me, but it doesn't seem like it works Uh, out like that. It seems like you would want them in Sunbelt or Southern places and places with retractable or closed domes. Yeah. Maybe they do it up North because they do pad in that off day for weather, but I know, but it still seems unnecessary, but I I know all the Northern teams can't open on the road every year, you know, opening days, but you could have it, the split be the other way. In other words, 
the Braves open on the road fewer times than they do at home, and those teams open on the road more. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know how, why, why they can't work the schedule and start from that point and then build the schedule around that, but start with the premise that, you know, in April, you want the Rockies and the Minnesota Twins and mm-hmm. the New York teams and the Philly, and you want those teams opening on the road. Yeah. But anyway. It, uh, players wouldn't mind it either. It sucks to go from spring training up to New York oh, yeah. or Pittsburgh or somewhere. We played some series in Pittsburgh and uh, Colorado when you were snowing. You know, I mean, that's, yeah, a, that's I, a big I, change in injury risk. I remember that there's been t- at least twice where the Braves had a game snowed out in uh, Colorado. One of them was in May, yeah. like mid-May. Yeah. You just don't know what you're going to get in Colorado until June. I mean, it's because my sister lives out there. And, and uh, I mean, they can go from literally from a snowstorm to 70 degrees in two days. Overnight, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I remember that doubleheader where they had uh, – they got snowed out. They made up a doubleheader and never got to freezing the entire day in the doubleheader. That was a game where Gaddis hit a home run. And there was guys, his fans uh, were out in left field bleachers, nearly empty left field bleachers, and they had, one guy had a bear suit on. <laughs> yeah, I pitched in that game. I Did pitched, you? Yeah, I warmed up. So they had me start riding the bike in the in the clubhouse in the seventh, and uh-huh. I was going to throw the eighth. So um, top eight, they drove me down to the bullpen. I went through like a back door. And immediately got handed a ball and started throwing. So I was outside oh, wow. for a total of like nine minutes that day. You know, my teammates hated me. I remember BJ Upton was giving me a bunch of crap for that. But yeah, I mean, remember how were, Uptons were dressed? Yeah, they were miserable. Everybody was. I got a comebacker yeah. off my hand, and I mean, it just it felt like a brick hitting my hand. I mean, there have been a lot of cold weather games at, at uh, Coors Field, and that day they set the record. It was fourteen degrees. <laughs> They had two of the three coldest games in Coors Field history, those two games. Yeah. And remember, didn't Julio Tehran pitch really well? Everybody pitched well because hitters didn't want to swing. <laughs> it's hard for everybody. Yeah. Oh, my God. I was I was glad that they closed the windows in the press box. They had them open for a while because the announcers wanted them open. But we were like, no, man. No. <laughs> oh. Um, so, hey, first up. We're going to do a regular Acuna 40-40 watch. Yeah, I know it's silly to do this this soon. It's ridiculous. So that's why we're going to do it. Yeah. Um, He's had two homers and two stolen bases. He's on pace for 54 and 54. I thought of it when he stole second. It was first first thing that popped into my head. You know, you you see Um, him do that. You know, you kind of dream like, I think he could do it this year. Oh, man. Like I said, if he stays healthy, he gets 40-40, and I think he makes a real good run at 45-45. Whatever, really you know, did. I guess he lost some weight or something, but he's flying on the yep. base pass right now. He did. He did. He's slimmer. He's uh, in the best shape as far as running and all that that he's ever been, and I can see him doing it. There was a good uh, – Kenny had a good good uh, note about Sites talking about some adjustments that Acuna's made and how excited Sites is that he's cut – that he's uh, – some adjustments he's made in his swing to make him less susceptible to certain pitches. Uh, it, was, it was pretty good stuff if you haven't read it from Kenny's uh, notes a couple of days ago. Um, I will look that up here and, but real quick here. What uh, – when it started with the, talking about uh, the big – well, one of the biggest stories yesterday, obviously, Pablo Sandoval, Kung Fu Panda. <laughs> you pitched out in Oakland for a while – and Panda was still a phenom, a phenomenon uh, at uh, with the Giants, right? I mean, he was so popular out there. Well, I mean, you start area. with the nickname, right? And and, yeah, and yeah. you look at him. I mean, Kung Fu Panda, and he's 
it, you know, he's he's been a guy that's that done so much, and I think that it, it could be hard for a lot of guys to accept the role he's in now. But uh-huh. having everything under his belt already, I mean, he's kind of a perfect candidate to just come off the bench and have those at bats. And he he also seems like a guy that doesn't need to warm up. You know, <laughs> like he seems like exactly. somebody that could just jump in the box and start yes. hacking. Like it's just who he is. And that's what that's what uh, Snit had said. You know, at spring training, when he when he made the roster and they didn't have people concerned because they didn't have a lot of power on the bench. Right now that didn't look too <laughs> doesn't look too smart, does it? I mean, he right now he's got he's the only guy. There's only been five other pinch hit home runs in the majors. He's got two of the seven. Yeah. But Snit said it's not so much power as it is a professional bat, a good at bat, and he's looked good. He can do that from the left side. He's got that power anyway. And so far he's done it. Two two of three with two homers from the left side. But it's the professional bat is what Snit was talking about. A guy who can sit there, um, you know he's going to be ready whenever you call on him, and no moment is going to be too big for him because of what you said, well, all yeah. he's done. Yeah. Three World Series, World Series MVP, two-time All-Star, hit the, well over 300, hit with 330 one year, I think. But, I mean, he's done everything. Yeah, he's not going to get you know overwhelmed by a late inning at bat in April <laughs> after, after winning a couple World Series and, and doing everything he's done. You know, it's just, I mean, like we've talked about before, it's just a matter of accepting the role. And I think he's a perfect guy for that. I think sometimes you look at Camargo and you're not sure if he's ready for that, you know, to be a backup guy. You feel like he wants to play every day. And, yeah, you know, I mean, you should. As a young player, you should strive to be an everyday player. But sometimes you get put into a role that that frustrates you in a sense. And I see that with him sometimes. Yeah, I see it too, yeah. And, yeah, I just think he's right now – this is the guy, the the uh, prototypical bench guy that's done a lot as a as a has been a former All Star as a regular position player. A guy like Eric Kinski was what Rookie of the Year, I yeah. think. And then at, towards the end of their career, they embrace that bench role because they want to keep playing. They don't. They're not ready to retire. And when they do that and they embrace it, they can be the best guys in the in the league at that at that, at that job role. Which is uh-huh. valuable. You know, I mean he's won he's almost won two games with it, but he won yeah. a game with it, you know. Um but that ski talked about that all the time, that you know, when he first got put into that bench role, he really struggled mentally because he looked at himself as an everyday player. That's how he identified and mm-hmm. you know, your ego takes a hit when you're sitting on the bench and there's somebody you think you're better than playing and getting at bats and Right. You know, it's easy to get caught up in that that side mental game instead of just, you know, accepting your role and saying, I'm just going to be ready when they call on me. And Ski stayed in the league for like probably six or seven years longer than he should have, you know, for what he was bringing to the table. But he made the most of those at bats. And then parlayed that into a coaching job, hitting coach, some prominent uh, teams and all that. So, yeah, I think it's the mental thing when you're not, when you're still worried about, how do I get back to being – I deserve to be uh, an everyday guy. I'm better than him, blah, blah, blah. When you're worried about those things rather than focused on in, totally embracing the job, the part-time gig, and being ready, and when do I need to start warming up and getting my swing down in the ba- indoor batting cage and all that, when you're not focused on that, I don't think you can you can thrive in the role like like Pablo is right now. Yeah, and you can have you know guys start having built-in excuses. You know, It's an easy excuse that – well, I'm only getting one at bat here and there. Yeah. But the thing is, nobody cares. You know, if you don't yeah. produce whatever role you're in, nobody cares why. And and guys will get caught up in those excuses. And then all of a sudden, you're already out before you get to the box. You've already and then written all your, of a sudden, your bat off. 
and then all of a sudden you're with another team yeah. tr- trying to establish any role because then they're not even going to know you as a prime as a uh, everyday guy. Yeah, and you could be you know a year removed from being an everyday guy, and all of a sudden yeah. you can't even find a job because you didn't handle your role well. You know that gets around too. Yeah. So, yeah, every year it seems like the Braves every year two out of three years whatever have a really a guy come out of from out of nowhere usually it's at the end of spring training they pick up a guy that's been released by another team your Matt Joyce's your uh your Josh Tomlin's your Annabelle Sanchez uh it looks like Kung Fu Panda's gonna be that guy this year even though they they actually signed him after last season after and he and he had such a limited role last season but it says a lot about the impact he had and the impression he made on everybody that they wanted him back enough that they they went out and made sure to sign him again to another minor league deal, knowing that he might be able to do something like he's doing. And just at worst, he was going to be a great influence on the young guys, which he is. Well, yeah. And you, you know, if you, if you see a guy with Pablo's, you know, history and, and everything he's accomplished, except in that role, how are you going to be a young guy on the bench bitching about it? You know, I mean, when you look at all, all he's accomplished and he's able to accept that, you know, it's it sets a good sends a good message to everybody that that it's it's about the team. Yeah. Yeah, he's a he's a, he's a fun dude to watch and, and to talk to. I mean, like you've talked we talked about how, you know, he's he's one of those guys. He's overweight, but he has been for much of his career and he plays well with that weight. So. Uh, he, you know, he works hard. It'd be one thing if he was sloppy and didn't work hard, but he works hard. Yeah. So guy just likes to eat, has a metabolism. That <laughs> let him be, let so him eat and, and yeah. <laughs> let him hit. You do like this. You can weigh 400 pounds, man. Yeah. Because, uh, he's looked good in that box and he's still got that bat speed and he doesn't get fooled much. No. Uh, he's, uh, yeah. So the opening day, he hits the two run homer in the seventh inning that forced extras. I mean, they had they did nothing until he hit that two run homer and they got and it lost three two, and then he hits a two run homer yesterday and it's the entire offense for the for the game. Yeah, I mean he, he wins them a game yesterday with that. So what a week for a for a for a guy that's had four at bats, five plate appearances this year. What a, what a profound impact. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, and he's a guy that I I didn't think. I thought he had less chance of making the opening day roster. Those other guys, they picked up late in camp for a reason. They had needs at those areas. You know, they had a need for what Joyce did, a bench bat. They had a need for Anibal Sanchez to come in. Their, their rotation was, yeah. they had some injuries that spring and some guys that just weren't looking good. So, but with Sandoval at spring training, when spring training started, I thought he was a long shot at best to make the roster because they had so many other guys, bench candidates who had done more in recent years, who looked better, who, uh, who a couple of major league contracts. So there was just, I looked at Pablo Sandoval, I go there. I don't see any way he makes his team. I didn't think there was any way he made the team unless they had injuries, but he earned his spot. He had 400 in camp, just like, uh, Adrianza did. And, uh, look, look, it's just funny how things transpire, man. Yeah. You never know what's going to happen, but you know, a guy that, a guy that's hungry like that and still wants to be around and, and has done everything he does, you know, yeah. I think I think probably Snit saw something he liked and stuck his neck out for him and said, "We got to have this guy." Yeah, and from the left side, man, he's yeah from the left side, two for three with the two homers, a walk, and a seven fifty OBP as a pinch hitter. <laughs> uh, Snit said, Snit said a good comment. He said it's really hard to do what he just did. He said this after that yesterday's home run. Really hard to do to come off the bench and do what he did. But one thing about him is he's, he's aggressive. 
And he was all spring, which made him attractive because, like I said, no situation is going to be too big for him. That's that's hard to do that twice in a week. Um, it's worth noting, I was looking up his stats as a pinch hitter in 2019, last time he really did this a lot, with the Giants. He was 18 for 48 as a pinch hitter, hit 375 as a pinch hitter with two homers and 1,067 OPS and 50 plate appearances, not like five or ten. Yeah. So that said a lot right there about that he could do the role, and he's doing it. Eric, let's hear from today's sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Number two on the surprise list, talking about profound impacts. Yesterday, Sean Newcomb. This is a guy that you have stood by, talked about his stuff at least, about how he was just too good to not have success in the big leagues. And here's another guy that still fancies himself a starter, really doesn't embrace the role yet of reliever. But yesterday, he fully embraced that chance to be the closer. And he got in there. And Eric, I thought he looked like he'd been closing for a few years because he looked nasty in there as a closer. I have never seen Sean Newcomb with that intensity. Even when he was throwing his no-hitter that day, when he was one out from a no-hitter against the Dodgers, I never saw the look on his face yet that he had yesterday, that anger and intensity yeah. that he had. Topping out, and for the first time, I ever seen 99 from him, too. He had 97 in spring. I think he had, he had one that. start back in the, you know, maybe two years ago where I saw him upper 90s. But, uh-huh. you know, I was watching him when he was – I always watch pitchers when they're getting the ball. You know, like the, the camera zooms in. They put your numbers up. You throw your last warm-up. He's right. walking around the mound. He looked nervous. He looked he looked kind of jittery, you know. So I, I, I thought, you know, this could be – this could go either way if he's, if he's too amped up. And he went – I think he went 2-0 on the first dude. I mean, he didn't – as far as pitching goes yesterday, he didn't pitch great. He just overpowered him. Which right. is even better, you know, to see from him is is he just let it eat yesterday, and once he settled down, I mean, he threw a lot of fastballs, and he was just blowing yes. it like the two. He got two fastball strikeouts, and he just blew it by him. One of them was a good pitch, but the other two were not even located well. They just couldn't handle it, you know. I mean, he uh-huh. just threw it right by him, and I think the Nationals probably had the scouting report. They know he's in the pen. They see him come in. They might not have been prepared for that, but they were expecting the starter version, you know, ninety four, right. ninety five. Right. And they weren't expecting to just get 99 and, and him coming at him the way he did. But he just, I mean, he went right after him and they couldn't handle it. You know, it wasn't like he, he you know, painted corners or anything. He just blew him away. He started out at 97 and it was like that easy gas they talk about yeah. him. It's like he doesn't even have to stress to get 97. Yeah. 
And he was 97, 98 consistently. And I saw that 99 and I'm like, whoa. I mean, Brace saw a lot of 97s in spring training when he yeah. had a couple of relief appearances and he looked really. He was amped up. Yeah, but not 99, man. Woof. That's a. Uh, <laughs> you know, they turned to him because Will Smith closed in the first game and AJ pitched. And, and AJ Mentor had already pitched. Tyler Matzik was unavailable because he had uh, kind of a rough outing the day before. It was a rough outing. He walked two those consecutive walks, man. I gotta I gotta I, I you start thinking bad things just because you know it's past and you hope, you know, okay, it's nothing, it's just a bad day. But I think it was probably smart to to give him a day off yesterday. But anyway, that's why Newcomb was kind of thrust into that role. You got a ten man pin, but you're using, you know, you you know you're down to nine. And then like I said, the the guys that pitched in the first game. You know, we'll talk about Enola because he was maybe the biggest story yesterday, but at least before Sandoval's home run. But what they got out of Enola, the five innings they got from him in game two was especially big because that was supposed to be the bullpen game. Mm-hmm. Game one ended up being the bullpen game because Max Fried only made it two innings. He yeah. was getting roughed up, and then he got hit in the, in the right leg, calf by a line drive, came out. Uh, if he'd have been dealing, he probably wouldn't have come out, but he was, hard, you know, Freed had already given up five runs, so he came out. It wasn't his day. <laughs> no, there was nothing about it that was his day. What were you thinking watching Freed? I mean, uh, I mean, guys have those days. We saw it. We've seen a lot of them, especially early season. Well, a lot one, of good pitchers. One, I think he got pretty unlucky, and it's you know it's yeah, easy to did. go to that. You know, you got to control that, and you, you know you can nitpick at pitchers and say you know if a pitch that you jam somebody on was a couple inches lower, it's a ground ball instead of a bloop single. But overall, they weren't hitting the ball hard off him. Um, you know, he, he had that at bat against Soto that could have been a strikeout, didn't get the call. And then a bunch of runs score with two outs. You know, you look back at that, if, if he gets the right call on Soto, maybe his whole yeah. outing changes, you know, but, um, I, I didn't think he looked bad. I just, he was just a little off. The warning sign was when he went two Oh or three Oh on the pitcher. Uh, that's, that's when you're thinking he's tired yes, or, yes. or, or just off today. And then he takes a you know a comebacker from Soto's next at bat off a of shin, and it's kind of like this just isn't his day, <laughs> yeah. You know, so you yeah. just pull the plug on those ones. But watching him, he didn't look bad. He was getting pretty unlucky, if you ask me. Yeah, the Soto. I mean, Soto's going to get calls like that. I know he's a young guy, but he's already shown he's got such a mastery of the strike zone yeah. that uh, you know it's almost like Ted Williams hitting the umpire. The time the catcher said uh, um, there was a call that. It was a good pitch. It was a strike, and it was called a ball. And a catcher turned to the ump and goes, that was a strike. And the ump said, Mr. Williams will let you know when it's a strike. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, he does have uh, a great eye. Yeah, and I think umps probably, even if it's subconsciously, they figure, you know, this kid knows what he swing, what they, to they swing lean on at, him so. a little bit to get the call right. <laughs> yeah, and he does all those antics too, sliding in a box and everything. Man, it's got to drive a pitcher crazy. It would drive. But me I'm nuts. like you when he when he got behind three zero to the pitcher. I'm like, this is not Max Free. He does no, not do this. He's just off. And you know that could have been, you know, just fatigue from having a long inning or whatever. But yeah, I mean, I, I didn't. I, again, I didn't think he looked bad. He just looked a little off, and and he needed some breaks to turn that into a good start, and he didn't get them. If he gets breaks right there, he might go five or six innings and you know three yeah. runs or something instead of being out after two. I guess it's it's more surprising because of what last season he just didn't have any of those outings. You know, it's normal to have one or two of them in a yeah. year, but he just had none of them last year. Yeah, the one 
his last regular season start last year when he gave it the two bombs, that came right after he turned his ankle and he came out after one inning. So if not for that game, his stats would have been even more overwhelming last year. But yeah. anyway. I watched him uh, pitch and I watched, you know, I watched Newcomb's outing last night and I think that if Nuke took Freed's mindset for five or six innings, just because Freed's aggressive, Freed almost looks yeah. like he's closing the game for for his entire start. Yeah, I think if Nuke pitched like that and took that mindset, and even if they just told him like, "Man, just let it eat," like you did yesterday for five innings, I still think he could start. But at the same time, if he can do what he did last night out of the pen, he's got just as much value there because they're going to just they're going to need that. I just think Nuke, for whatever reason, mentally, I don't. Think they, I think he did it. He held it together in that game against the Dodgers when he almost threw a no-hitter. But it seems like four out of five times, there's just an inning that it just goes sideways completely yeah. on him, that he just loses it in an inning. So, uh, you know, and this team obviously is stocked with starters. Yeah. And that right there, man, if they if he gives them a if he gives them a backup closer option, because they're gonna need that this year, probably. Um you know, you like to use with the thinner bullpen. We're not, you're not 10 deep like we're last year. Uh, and you want to use those, you know, Matt's and mentor and, and uh, Chris Martin and set up roles. And I, I think if, if he can give you, and of course he's got to be left-handed because everybody in their bullpen. Yeah. Is, but, but it doesn't matter. I mean, he could have been no. throwing from any yeah. side of the plate, yeah. any yeah. distance yesterday. I mean, he just, they didn't stand a chance. It was just him against himself. If he could throw strikes, he was getting three strikeouts. With the game on the line, three guys, Blew just blew them all away. I mean, yeah. I know it's just one appearance, but uh, you know, I mentioned the Snit afterwards. I said he looked like a closer out there, you know, because I was looking at the facial and 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 just how intense he looked. Yeah, because it was just so un unlike. He looks usually just looks completely emotionless. Yeah, blank faced, which is good for some pitchers, but I just think he he seems to lack intensity. You know, when he's out there a lot of times, and not yesterday. And I asked Snit about that, and he said, yeah, he started feeling it. It looked like you'd see him kind of start breathing in the right direction. Mm -hmm. And and that's closer stuff right there, that fastball. But I, I knew exactly what Snit meant when he said you start breathing in the right direction. You yeah. Know? Yeah, he was controlling it. You know, it was yeah. in, he was intense, but he was in charge. I, I think, you know, like with his stuff, you know, maybe what's hold, held him back, and, and it might be that lack of intensity when he starts, but for whatever reason – and the year he had a really good year out of the pen. Uh, for whatever reason, yeah. when you throw him in those situations and he can just let it eat for an inning, you know, it, it works really good for him. Because I'm, I've talked to, for years about his stuff. Yeah, He has an incredible fastball and breaking ball. You know, I mean, it might just be a mental match for him that's that works better out of the pen. And they, he could have a ton of value there, too. You know, guys don't want to – sometimes guys don't want to be relievers because you get paid so much less and the routine the routine's not nearly as fun. You know, you got to be ready every day, but – if you can do that, man, you're going to make plenty of money and, and be in the game a long time. And, and, and the thing is, I think that year he had out of the pen, it was almost like he was pitching with a chip on his shoulder that year. I'll show you, I'm a starter, you know, and, and it's just going to go out and, 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 and it worked, uh, whatever, whatever was different. And yesterday it seemed like, uh, instead of bringing a man in a, uh, in a blowout or, you know, the fifth inning of a game after another starter leaves early, they put him in, they trusted him in a big situation. It was yeah. almost like he went out there and said, I'll show you, I can do this. He recognized it. Yeah. It was a big moment, man. I mean, in a day when they had a chance to sweep. Yeah. He, I, mean, I was a little surprised, you know, I was like, Damn, I was too. We're going with Nuke to close, but it's not like he can't do it. You just, you know, it's 
sometimes snit does some some things that yeah you're not sure what the thought process is and then you see what happened and you're like, oh, he, he knew this guy can do that you know it, and sometimes he does things and they work out and you think he has bigger picture in mind sometimes yeah. you know and big balls yeah he does have that snit does and when they brought him in I thought the same thing, but I th- it was mainly because I hadn't thought about everybody they used and the fact that Matzik wasn't going to be used because yesterday yeah. I hadn't really thought in my head. There's not that many guys left, yeah. you know, that have that have done anything in a relief role that you're ready to trust them with this. So, but I thought maybe we'd see Webb there because he was yeah. the 27th man. Yeah, and I think it was smart in hindsight. It obviously was to go to Newcomb rather than Webb be his first appearance of the year yeah. added as the 27th man. It's all on your shoulders, kid. And then he blows it. That could have really set him back. Yeah. I think, you know, and they did have, they were double barreled in the pen, but I think right. after the first hitter, you know, how are you going to take that guy out? Right. You know, after that first hitter, you're not taking him out until he gets in trouble. Right. They would have got nuke out after he gave up a run, a couple of hits or whatever. If he so. gave up, if he didn't get the first two guys out, he would have come out. Or if you walked the first guy on, you know, four or five pitches, but the way he looked, you're not taking him out. Hey, here's something to keep in mind. The Blue Jays, when Alex Antopoulos was just starting out in their front office before he was their GM, they had a left-handed starter, Brett Cecil. I looked uh-huh. this up. He was having a mediocre, you remember him? Yeah. He was having kind of a mediocre career as a starter. They moved him to a relief role during the 2012 season. Antopoulos was in the front office at the time Cecil had five saves in two different seasons, so he was used as a closer sometimes. But he went from a five ERA guy as a starter to a 2.90 ERA and a 1.166 whip as a full-time reliever for four seasons with Toronto, 2013 to 2016. That was when Anthopoulos was their GM by then. So, I mean, that's a a kind of a real similar guy there if you look at the profile. Good lefty fastball, good breaking ball. Cecil had a good changeup too, but – yeah. Regardless, Cecil man, had, I mean, you just got to accept the role and, and make the most of it. Cecil had 11 saves and 261 strikeouts in 205 innings as a as a reliever in that four year span with the with the Blue Jays. So, I think you know uh, that's a big thing you talked about too. Nuke having a chip on his shoulder that year because it, as a as a player, the farther you get into your career, the more comfortable you get. Everybody's trying to manufacture that fire. And there's something about it. If you go into a game and and you don't have that fire in you, that intensity, you give it up every single time. There's very few guys that can pitch without that gear. And it seems like for him, it just kicked in yesterday. Whatever, you know, the situation itself just pulled that out of him where he had that that fire. And he just, I mean, he just rolled through that inning. But everybody tries to manufacture that. And and you got to find a way to find it. So if, if being a closer or being a late inning guy out of the pen, you know, kicks that gear in for Nuke. You know, I mean, it yeah. could be big. Yeah, I mean, that'll get the adrenaline pumping like starting will, you know, when you yeah. go out there and get ready for your start and, and you got your introduction music going and all that. Yeah, Closing especially. Closing closing's another level. You know, it's like I'm the guy again, which is how you feel when you start. Uh-huh. Uh, the other big pitching uh, development of the day or performance of the day, the biggest really, was Huascari Noah. Yeah, can't say enough about what this guy did in that second game. Uh, Twenty-two years old, and I tweeted this last night because I this I believe this. I said if he was a fir- former first-round draft pick instead of a guy who signed with the Minnesota Twins when he was sixteen years old, came to the Braves in a trade that really nobody paid attention to. It was Wrecker and Jaime Garcia for this guy in July. The Braves were out of it. It was, it was a week before the trade deadline. 
It was a guy that was still two or three years away from the from the big leagues. We knew, we knew, and nobody had ever heard of him. He wasn't an elite prospect, so he's kind of done. He's been like off the radar while we focus so much on these first round draft picks that the Braves get every year. These pitchers, and we mm-hmm. keep pumping them up or or talking about them, you know, because that's what we're told that they're top prospects, you know, and they're ranked in the top one hundred by various publications and all this. If Oscar Inoa was a former first round pick instead of this guy. We would be have written and talked about this guy so much because, yeah. and we should, because to me, he looks better than a few of these former first round picks that we've talked about so much. This guy is legit, man. And he's 22. And yesterday he was in control, went toe to toe with Strasburg and more than held his own against Strasburg for five innings. He was, he was dominant. dominant. Yeah, he was. He, I didn't, I mean, I, I haven't noticed his breaking ball being as good as it was yesterday. The swings he was getting on it, you know, I mean, they they weren't seeing it at all. And he was aggressive. Um, but it's it's like what you talk about. When when you get that prospect tag on you, we we see guys when we were coming up through the minors with a prospect tag on, we'd be like, this dude sucks. He's not going to make it. You know, because they'd have yeah. these certain tools, but you'd go to war with them. Like, you'd, you'd see him compete, and you'd be like, this dude, like, as far as baseball, he sucks at baseball. He's just really talented. <laughs> And and you just they get all this hype, you know. He I mean, baseball. he sucks at baseball. He's just talented, and you you see these guys coming up through the minors, and they're getting all this hype, and and you know they're not good. And then you got this other guy. You're like, why is nobody talking about him? And that's yeah. kind of that's kind of the type of guy Enoa is, where he goes out and freaking competes. Yeah, whatever they ask of him, he goes and competes. And and yesterday was a perfect example of it. He's confident, man. He's yeah. and he's a big dude too on the mound. He's 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 he looks like a force out there. He's he's still prone to have a bad inning, which is what we saw in spring training. He'll have two or three great innings where he looks perfect. I mean, dominant, and then there's come apart in one inning, or he'll start with a really bad inning. Then he has two or three great innings. Yeah. But yesterday he just put it together from the first pitch at a time when the Braves had to have it because they yeah. had gone through so many relievers in that first game that. You know, they would have been thrilled to get three or four really good innings out of him. And he went five and 68 pitches, which is yeah. career-high innings for him, and hadn't started. You know, it's been a few weeks since uh, spring training, since he pitched, you know, a lot of innings. And to 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 have your career-high and strikeouts and innings in that situation, pretty damn impressive at D.C. in the second game of a doubleheader. Yeah, and thank God for those seven inning double headers. If you're the Braves in that series, you know, <laughs> I don't know if I like them or not. You know, in a full season, but they definitely helped them out yesterday. Yeah, on a day when they're running out of relievers, uh, they get the big hit in the seventh. You don't want this thing to go nine, you know, especially on the road uh, or extras. So, yeah, those seven inning double headers, man, they're great days because. I mean, for a fan, you can watch the whole thing. You're not spending yeah. much more time than you would on a nine or ten inning game. And uh, for players, you're not out there for 12 hours at the ballpark. I mean, you're still – and you're so attuned. Your body is so attuned to nine innings that you get to the fifth or sixth, your mind's thinking well, – and all of a sudden, it's like, whoa, this game's over in three outs. It catches know? me off guard every time. Every time. Every single time. Every I don't know time. if I'll ever get used to it. But, I mean, there's definitely some break- perks to it. And you bring in like your prime, uh, you like a setup guy in this in the sixth inning. You're and you're thinking, wondering what they're doing in there, and then yeah. it clicks, and you're like, "Oh shit, it's seven <laughs> innings." Happens every but time. He, uh, yeah, he went pitch for pitch for pitch with Strauss. And Strauss was on too, but uh, three hits, one walk, five strikeouts for you know, no runs, obviously. 
you know, he, uh, then they turned it over to Luke and Luke did what Luke does. Slider man threw a bunch of sliders. <laughs> some of them in the dirt. Some of them got spat on. He, he, it never is a clean ending with Luke, man, but he gets through it most think, of the time. <laughs> I think that's did. why he thrived in the closers role. Because when you're closing, you just got your inning, you know, yeah. so he could do it his way. You know, I, I had a tendency to do that sometimes when I was playing too. you know, get almost lock in once you get yeah. in trouble, you know, you, you wouldn't lock in until you got in trouble, but it, it's a, it's an adventure every time, but you know, he finds a way to get it done. I, I think just, you know, last year was the year where he didn't, he didn't yeah. get that, that lucky bounce he needed to, to get out of those jams he put himself in. Yeah, his Babbitt last year was, like, ridiculous. There were yeah. so many balls hit through the infield and everything, which he's going to get contact like that, you yeah. know. Guys Throwing all those sliders, yeah, they're going to top yeah. a lot. And, you know, and if he's not showing that he can throw strikes, a lot of times guys will be like, I'm going to let him walk me, you know. Yeah. And he's going to unload the, you know, five sliders and seven pitches and bounce a bunch of them, so – but when it all comes together, he can, man, he's pretty filthy with that slider and the he's got a decent filthy. fastball. I, I yeah. think that that helped him a ton that first year. You guys not knowing him, yes. and that he throws seven sliders in a row. And hitters, for whatever reason, in the back of their head, even if a guy's thrown twelve sliders in a row, right. they think they're going to get the one fastball. Or if you go three one on him, they think you're finally going to throw a fastball. And he just kept throwing sliders. But, you know, the book gets out on that and guys are willing to sit on it and then they're willing to take a fastball down the middle if they have to. It makes it easier to lay off that stuff. But, you know, it's cat and mouse. He'll keep making adjustments. If he could drop that slider in there for strikes, for called strikes. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of them are in the dirt. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, Snit on Enoa. It was, he was good on Huascar. He said, I know he's capable of doing it. All spring, he'd have three good innings and one bad, or one bad, two or three really good. I don't know that he touched 98 in the spring because I got 98 yesterday. Mm. He said that slider was really, really good. That's one of the reasons why he got the start. That was pretty darn good there. Oh, it was uh, it was nasty. It was tight. And it, you can just look at the swings, you know, if, if they're barely missing it. But when you see guys swinging yeah. at a ball in the other batter's box in the dirt, it, they I mean, it looks just like a fastball to him. Not bad for teams like seventh starter, huh? No, it's crazy to think about that. Smiley looked good be, too. He could be number four for a lot of teams. Yeah, well, he'd at least be getting a chance. Yeah, you yeah. Know, instead, he's well, yeah. he's in this role, and it's the same thing we talked about. He's got to embrace it. Well, yesterday he pitched like a top half of the rotation. Guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, on Enoa coming up big in some big spots last year because he had the game in Philly. I think it was a doubleheader. He made that spot start was really good. It was only like three innings, but it was really good. And then in the four innings against the Dodgers in that playoff game where they were getting beaten, you know, they needed him to produce, and he did. So, but yesterday, uh, I asked Ned how big was that given the situation with the relievers they'd used early in the day and Matzik being off. And he said, it's huge, especially because we kind of emptied the tank trying to win some of these games, you know, because they yeah. kept using their primary guys in all those losses. Yeah. You know, the three, four guys there that they have lined up in sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth. They used them all. He said, and the guys that we pushed into action today, that was good to see too. That was a great opportunity for them because you're going to need all those guys. And they were, they all were unbelievable, but we had a lot of guys down and to cover that innings he did was huge. Uh, one of those other guys, Josh Tomlin yesterday oh. did exactly what he's done. He's done it twice now this year, shown exactly why they have him. Cause a lot of people are like, why is Josh Tomlin going to make it? Why is he an automatic? And they signed him to a major league deal early in the off season because it's going to make the team. Because yeah. that's what he does. Doesn't matter if he throws 88, 89 miles an hour. He's effective. 
and he can give you those two innings anytime and come back the next day if you need him. Yeah, you can beat him up and he doesn't seem to care. But, you know, like for him, inherited runners is another thing that that gets kind of overlooked as yeah. far as a pen roll. But you bring Josh in all the time and it's bases loaded, no outs and maybe gives up a run. Maybe he doesn't, but he seems to minimize damage so well yes. because he comes in throwing strikes, quality strikes that, that get hitters out. Um, to have him and Anoa down there just on tap, you, yeah. you you very rarely have two guys that can go long and you can count on like that. That that's part of why this bullpen's got so much depth and and everybody has confidence in them. Man, you see a guy do that, and it just goes against everything you see and the trends in the game. You know where everything is harder, harder, harder. You know everything. You know everybody's throwing ninety five to a hundred, and you see a guy like Tomlin come in in a crucial situation with two or three runners on. And you're bringing in a guy at those 89, you know, but he gets outs. He gets, he throws a strike and a guy gets all, gets jacked up and ends up hitting a ground ball or a routine fly out and it's over. And you're like, well, he did it again. <laughs> it, it works in your favor though, because now they think they finally caught a break. You yes. know, they've seen all this nasty shit thrown at them and they're like, now I got, I'm going to, this is my grand slam right here. And it looks like it's down the middle and it just cuts, you know, six inches right off the barrel they hit into a double play or whatever it is, but he's he comes in and just makes quality pitches, and it's it's hard to stay within yourself in those big situations. You know that's that's the most tempting thing is guys try to do more, but he's able to stay calm, you know, handle the situation and make a good pitch and, and get out of it. And that, you know, I don't I don't remember too many occasions where he's brought into those situations and they've blown up. And if it does blow up, you know, the nice thing about him is you can throw him three more innings once the game's out of reach. Yeah. Yeah. He's like his own yeah. insurance plan. <laughs> yeah, I like how you explained that because I think some people just really, you know, it's hard for us to grasp why he can do that and other guys can't do it, you know, come into that situation with what amounts to a really good high school fastball nowadays. But he just, he's got balls, man, and he locates. He throws exactly where he wants it, and he gets guys, I think guys get jacked up, like you said. Oh, they, they do. They're like, oh, I'll, I'll, fuck, I'll kill this guy. This, yeah. is a, this is a big break for us. Yeah, Man. I mean, you, I saw it all the time being a lefty, you know, and, and throwing sinkers. You know, they, uh-huh. they look up at the gun. They see you warming up at 87. And they just faced, you know, your number one starter, whoever it is. Throwing, everybody throws 97 now. And they, they think, to get him out. now I got a lefty throwing poo. I'm taking yeah. this guy deep. And, and I'd throw a fastball. I'd try to throw it right down the middle and just have it run off. Uh-huh. And they try to do damage, and they pull a ball to shortstop, and you get a ground ball. And and if the first guy doesn't do it, if he gets a hit, the second guy's going to do it, and you get a double play. But it, it's just a matter of hitters seeing that lower velocity and thinking, now's my window to, to really do damage, and they get too big. And for him, it's it's a matter of him coming into those situations and knowing, I'm not about to overpower anybody, so I better hit my spot. He does, and he gets good results. And he's so rarely – he had a walk yesterday, but it's so rare, I think because – of the one, he locates the way he does. But also, I think it's like you said, guys aren't going up there looking for a walk against him. They're going no. up there thinking, I could take this guy deep. Yeah, <laughs> this thing's over. Yeah, I mean, they asked the scouting report, and it's 89, and they just hero start falling. Yeah. <laughs> guys, let's take a quick break, and then we'll finish up the show. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the Internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed Internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. It wasn't all great news yesterday. There was a kind of a downer at the end of the day, but the Braves don't think it's a, this Mike Soroka setback is a big one. I know everybody gets, it'd be a lot worse if it was the Achilles, a lot worse in this case. Uh, It's inflammation in his pitching shoulder. He'll be shut down for two weeks. I mean, this is, Soroka had the shoulder issues as a, as a rookie, obviously they shut him down for the second half of that season. Uh, I think this is probably a case of a guy just ramping it up, you know, trying to get back. And, and, you know, this happens with guys They get, you know, they get, it's a lot of times it happens late in spring training Uh, guys, when they crank it up, get ready for the season. And he, you know, had so much downtime that he's now was in the very last stages, you know, was expected to join the rotation by the end of April. So that means he's getting to that point where he's taking the very last steps I think he probably just uh, maybe went a little too hard, but he's got inflammation in his pitching shoulder. He pitched that. It came out after one inning of a sim game at the alternate site two days ago, and it just didn't feel right. And he said something's just a little bit sore. And they examined him. They said no structural damage. You know, I, I, I assume they gave him an MRI to, to determine that. There's yeah. another way to determine that. They said no structural damage. So that means to me they gave him an MRI. And – they're, and they just said it's going to be two weeks. They're going to shut him down. Then they think he'll be able to resume throwing. But obviously, it's going to set. It's going to change the timetable a little bit. And late April's out of the question now. But I like it's, it. I, it, it's good he said something, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it well coming out coming out of an inning's worse than after. Yeah, right. if you tell him that night and it's like I don't feel right. So it's a little bit more alarming when it's mid inning and and you're feeling it while you're warmed up and throwing. Yes. But seeing no structural damage, I mean, it, those are just the type of things, like you said, that happen every spring with everybody. And if you think about all the time he took off a throw in last year, you know, yeah. for the main part, he's got to get his arm back in shape. You know, that that's as big of a challenge as, 
as Achilles, you know, maybe even more because he probably wasn't focusing on that shoulder as much. But I mean, for me right. personally, when I look at it, I'm like, good. Now he doesn't rush the Achilles because yeah, that's yeah. made me nervous this whole time anyway. Yeah. And and they don't have to have it. They don't I need mean, him. They, they the like him. Time, but. <laughs> yeah, first time, first four guys, first time through the rotation, everybody went five or more innings. Yeah. I mean, and you saw Yanoa yesterday. I mean, they're, they don't have to have him. You want him. Yeah. But you'd bad. rather have him, you know, three weeks later at – 100%. Really prepared rather yeah. than rushing this thing a little bit. So I thought that appearance in spring training, while it was very encouraging, it obviously wasn't him yet. He wasn't, the velo wasn't quite there yet. He wasn't quite as sharp yet. So, and at, at that time, when they're still saying, you know, mid late April, I'm thinking that's only two or three weeks away. Yeah. You know, I don't see how he's going to be ready in three weeks, given where he is right now, given that he hasn't done any of the uh, 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 getting stretched out. You know that the other pitchers do with the they go one in, two inning, three inning, four innings, or two innings, three and four innings. It takes like five starts in spring training to get stretched out. So, you know, it takes to take the full six weeks. So, yeah. you, don't, well, drops, you don't want to have him come out with with a pitch limit or anything either, because it's right. going to be later in the season at this point. But right, yeah, yeah. So if he tried to, I mean, they've been really smart about this, but. If he was trying to get stretched out, you know, in, in three or four weeks instead of five or six weeks, then I could see this. Or, you know, if he's just getting a little excited and trying to, you know, trying to crank it up a little bit. So we'll see. But anyway, this is a guy that's had some shoulder issues in the past, some nagging stuff. So, and it's been nagging. He hasn't had any kind of surgery and all that. He had the thing as a rookie. And then he, you know, and he, and he had the, the thing before spring training in his huge year last season where he, he was, uh, down at that down at Jupiter, he was working out, and he gets he gets excited, man, because he works yeah. out hard, and yeah. you know, and, and he started doing his long toss, and he was doing things just a little. He said, "I just pushed it a little too much in the weight room, long toss, all that," and so he has that that uh, characteristic that that tendency to push things because he works hard, man. So if he was working a little too hard, hey, your shoulder said, "Hey, let's just bring it back a little bit." And, yeah, especially we'll if you see. see your velocities down too. You know, I mean, it's it's easy yeah. to to have that calm mindset when you're doing all your rehab and you're feeling great. But that first time you get on the gun, you know, it, it could it could be alarming to you where you start trying to. You know, I gotta get I gotta get going more. I gotta throw a little harder, and then you twink your shoulder. But overall, man, I mean, he he looked good in that start. He looked healthy. His stuff just yeah. wasn't quite there yet. But it's you know, even talking about that, it's amazing what can happen in two or three weeks for a starter. You know, an extra three four starts. I think he would have been fine and ready, but I don't. I don't have any problem with not pushing that Achilles. Is you know, giving it an extra three weeks or a month. Yeah, I would think it'd be a month if they shut him down for month, two weeks. Two weeks. It, yeah, yeah. Because then he's got to resume and get back where he was. You know. But I think they'd bring him back even if they had him at eighty pitches. You know, try to get five out of him. It just. Yeah. I think it a lot will depend on how the other starters are doing. You know, and if you're him, even though even though the starters did well in the, during that. 0 and 4 start to the season. But if you're him and you're seeing your team go 0 and 4 on you, you in your head you go I need to get back and help, you know? Yeah. I need to get back and give them seven perfect innings. Not to mention just watching a whole playoff run on the bench last year. You know, I mean, I'm sure yeah. he's chomping at the bit, but you know, you, you got to exercise patience. And I'm 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 glad he said something because a lot of times guys will throw through things like that and that's when you really hurt yourself. Snit said, I asked him, are you concerned at all? And Snit said, well, yeah, a little bit. I'm concerned for him. Yeah. I hate that he's done all this work. Mm -hmm. 
you know what? I don't know how many of these things you've been around and none of them go as planned. Ever. <laughs> yeah. But the, half the time they do go as planned is the player not saying anything. Right. You know, I mean, he's he had obviously, no setbacks. No. He, from he a obviously, complicated surgery. Yeah. He obviously felt good enough to go out on the mound that day, but it was probably there and he went out and tested it. And then he kind of realized halfway through, like, you know, I'm not right right now. So, so maybe I should say something, but that's probably the hardest thing to do is do all that work and be so close and have to say, yeah, go to the trainer and say, this hurts. Right. right. And then, and you know, what's going to happen. You know, you're set back another month if you say something or you can gamble and push it. And, and like 80% of guys gamble and push it. You're in denial a little bit. I mean, you you just don't want it. You to don't be. want to you're deal like, with it. Right. <laughs> I don't want right. to deal with this right now. So you just pitch through it, and then it turns into something major that you have to deal with. So I've come I've come back from this surgery from my yeah. Achilles. Blew my Achilles <laughs> out, and a little shoulder pain is going to hold me back. You know, you're going to try to go here. out there. Dude, you see we're trying to record here? What is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't care. Uh, but he said uh, – but Snit said – I don't know how many of these things you've been around and none of them go as planned. I mean, there's always bumps in the road. I think the fact that there's no structural damage and it's something that they'll just calm down and get him back going. I told him things happen for a reason. Yeah. They'll continue to work hard and be diligent in what he's doing. And you never know. He wouldn't buy that, but you just never know why things happen. Like I say, very rarely do these things go as planned. There's always bumps in the road. I think that's just what this is. And Snet has been around for 45 years, and he's seen this, you know. He, he was saying, uh, he said, they all things happen for a reason, like what I, you're saying. I buy that. Know, that maybe maybe, maybe a few extra weeks would help him with the overall health. That was my initial reaction was almost, you know, like, good. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, good. Slow this thing down. Because, you know, you want him for the long run. You want him yeah. for the playoff stretch. If, if he comes back and makes two or three good starts in late April, early May, it's probably not a big picture thing, but when you look at having him for the playoffs and having him for September, it's going to be a tight division. That's when you want him. Yeah, the difference between bringing him back in late April and bringing him back in mid May. mid to late May, whatever. When it comes to uh, September, nobody's going to remember that. Who cares? You know, because no. like you're getting by fine with what you've got. You yeah. know, somebody's going to get bumped that's not even deserving to get bumped. Yeah. Yeah, it's so, it's not like last year where right <laughs> you had one guy you were counting they on desperately yeah. needed yeah so anybody that's a good that's a good part of the equation too so and by the time he's ready you know in another month three four weeks whatever it is uh, maybe somebody will have maybe somebody will have separated in an, in a bad way either yeah. hurt or they're struggling a little bit or whatever or another time. injury you know something will come yeah, up something, you're gonna have a spot for him. something will come up yeah so anyway. That was the uh, that was the thing they dropped on us after the sweep was over and said you know Snip mentioned the thing about Soroka so but to think they would have waited to tell you till after a win <laughs> they could have told us today on the off day but yeah. no I didn't ever want them to hold news like that I appreciate them giving that to us uh, so you know when stuff happens at the alternate site and everything unless somebody leaks this stuff you know they can they can conceal this conceal the shit so it's good for them to to, to get it out there because you yeah. don't want to. You don't want to play games, and then a month from now, when people are asking why Soroka's not up yet, you go, "Well, he had a setback a while back, and you know, with the shoulder." Yeah, you know, you look. Then it looks like you're trying to. You're when you're trying to hide it, up. it looks a lot worse. Yeah. yeah, so they got it out there, but I think Soroka's going to be just fine. We'll see. But uh, this team, uh, they they come home now, and they got a home stand, a couple of series, get the Phillies again, they get Wheeler again on Friday night. 
Uh, I've got to be really interested to see what they do facing him for a second time so quickly. That's an advantage for them. Yeah. You know, 95% of the time it's an advantage, unless it's just DeGrom or somebody that doesn't matter when he, he could pitch five starts in a row against you if his body could handle it and you're getting dominated. But getting yeah. another look at Wheeler this quick is good. Yeah. I mean, you faced them. They got a better feel for now for what the Phillies have. You know, in the rotation, obviously, they knew those guys, but those relievers they've got, they've got a better feel for it now. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. Uh, I know the Braves would like to. Get a little payback. I know that's not a big thing in baseball, but after getting swept to open the season, I know you want another shot at them, a chance to, you know, tighten up the division again. You're things are a lot different right now than they were before yesterday. Two and four. Now you're right there in the game. Yeah. So you, yeah. you didn't want to fall five games back so early. I don't think. No, it, it, I mean it's not going to. You're not even going to remember what the standings no. are right now. And in, in three no. months, it'll be a whole new story. But I do think, though, you know, I think the Braves got a target on their back this year. I think oh, that, you know, I being picked to win the division, I feel like teams are playing them different. I feel like teams are coming to get them versus somebody else. For whatever yeah. reason, man, I mean, it doesn't seem to make any sense because you'd think as a player, you know what the best teams are regardless of who's picking who. Yeah. But when a team gets picked and a team's getting all the highlights and a team's on ESPN and MLB Network yeah. nonstop. And they have the MVP. And you got the MVP and you got Acuna. And, and you got just, the guy they're picking to win the MVP. You yeah. Know? People, teams have a little extra something to prove against you. Yeah. You won, that's you how it feels. Four, you had four Silver Slugger Award winners. You had a, you had three guys, first team, all MLB. I mean, the Braves got a lot of attention after last postseason. Was and they should have. You know? Yeah. But, yeah. but you're right, though. All of a sudden, it's not you're not surprising anybody. Because teams were – the Nationals were getting picked to win the division last year. People thought yep. maybe the Mets – it was yep. still kind of the Braves got. The Braves the, were not the consensus any of those years. They were not the favorite team. Yeah, those and three years. But being now the they underdog are. or not picked, you know, it's it's always an advantage to be able to sneak up on people, and they're not sneaking up on anybody anymore. Hey, last thing, man, we were talking about how the inherent danger of giving a contract, such a huge contract to to any player, pitcher, yeah. position player, ten years is just things can happen. Well. Uh, Tatis, I mean, this is obviously not a career threatening type injury, but it's a pretty significant, a shoulder. You never want shoulder. I mean, you just supplication and all that. You, Cause when those things start happening again, if they, if they repeat, those are one of the ones you have to go in and have surgery and tighten it up. If it yeah. just keeps happening because it happened on a swing, dude, that's yeah. never good. Yeah. He's got a big swing. He swings Come hard. around, comes around hard all the way. And that's what you worry about when a guy does that. Usually they can get by with it when they're young, you know. But uh, I mean, his shoulder just gave out. <laughs> you know, yeah. something came back around like that, and so here he is. First, they were saying, you know, there were doctors coming on, you know, uh, you know, legit doctors coming online on because they're trying to get their name out there, saying he's going to have surgery, he'll be out for six months, and all yeah. that. Padres say they 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 think it'll avoid surgery. So, but we'll see. But it's not. This is not good when you give a $340 million 10-year contract to a guy and he gets hurt in the first week of the season. <laughs> that's, that's rough. Feel. <laughs> well, that's I, rough. I mean, facing your franchise, you know, that's it, your Ronald Acuna right there. It's crazy, too, because when, I'm, Freddie Freeman on when I'm flipping through channels on the, the MLB stuff, you know, that, that, that bad app, I, I see the Padres game, and if Tatis is playing, I click on it. Yeah. You know, it's crazy how much star power a guy can have where you want to watch him play. But that's not really to this point. But 
I mean, I saw him throwing that. I, he made two or three or four throwing errors, and I yeah, thought five you know, errors in a first weekend. Yeah, what if what if a guy like this got the yips? Something that oh, <laughs> you know, man. who knows how you come back from if he got the throwing yips at shortstop? That'd be worse than an injury. That'd be worse than an injury. So I saw him doing that, and that's kind of what started going in my head. And then he had the injury with the with the swing. Yeah. Um, you all, you wonder too, you know, after a guy does that, I think Bellinger's done it a few times. And yep. he still swings just as hard and just as, as aggressively. Yep. Um, and, and you know, after that, you start doing preventative rehab and, and and finding out why that happened to you. So I don't worry about him too much long term. But, yeah, I mean, you sign a guy to a 10-year deal like that and he rips his shoulder out, something he's going to have to deal with for 10 years probably now, you know, at least going to be in his head. You wonder how that's going to affect his aggressive his aggressiveness and who he is as a player. But. Yeah, I mean, you got to think he, he, when you take that violent swing, you got to, it's going to be in the back of your mind, right? How much yeah. it hurt when you did that. Yeah, he's <laughs> going to guard it for a while. It, it'll be interesting to see how he comes back swinging if he's still as, as aggressive. If he, if he tries to change his swing just a little bit, because he follows through, it's that follow through. You know, that's where he did it. He gets through it. I mean, that's why he hits balls. He's he's not a big guy and he hits balls 460. He hit a ball yeah. 467 the other day. And, it, it, you know, you got to get every inch of your body into it to, to hit it that far at, at his size. But yeah, I mean, it, it'll be interesting to see if he's still that aggressive with his swing after dealing with this injury and what yeah. it does to his mental state. Hey, how about the guy for, uh, for the Tigers? Cause we were talking about, we were talking about in, in uh, the, how the timetables for bringing up minor leaguers is different now because you yeah. lost a whole season. So some guys that have only pitched, uh, pitched or hit an a ball, won't necessarily have to make all the steps. Yeah. And you can see a guy kind of fast-tracked, a guy like Michael Harris, who's only played – he hasn't played above A ball. That doesn't mean he's two years away because I think he could be up here in a year. But we saw this with a guy, the, the phenom out in, uh, with the Tigers, who had not played above A ball. And look what he's doing. I mean, this kid is like the story of, of the Tigers early. You know, home runs, great plays in the outfield. Had not played above A ball. He's 22 years old. I don't know his history. Was he with? Was he in their uh, satellite camp last year? Yes. So uh, yes, for me, what, wasn't he a Rule Five guy? Didn't they get him somewhere? What? What's his Aki Badu? Yeah. So that that's something I think yeah. about though, yeah. because there's some guys that don't learn anything at those lower levels. You know, when you're hitting an A ball or you're hitting a double A, and pitchers can't locate. Um, yeah. I'd I'd say that that satellite camp was probably like high triple a last year you know as far as experience and playing in it yeah. same thing with michael harris you know being around guys that can accelerate yeah. your development like that i think you'll see a few more guys kind of do the same thing but i mean what the numbers he's putting up is is insane yeah obviously he's not gonna he, keep that up but it, it's showing a lot i didn't realize he's from here he went to high school here conyers georgia right outside atlanta uh so much talent here but he's uh let's see he's he's 22 he'll be 23 in august uh, bats and throws left center fielder. I mean, so much Michael Harrison, this guy, um, uh, he, I'm looking at his, where they got him. He was, uh, twins Gulf coast rookie league, 16, 17. This is a guy. He was a second round pick by the twins in 16. So out of Con- I say the mine Conyers. So, but yeah, he had, he had only played, in he had what two th- parts of three years, two years in rookie ball, two different levels of rookie ball, and Cedar Rapids, 
A, low A, 18, and Fort Myers, high A, Florida State League in 2019 at 20, which is starting to get a little, a little old, not really old for, for, for high A, but he must have made some huge progress at the satellite camp. I mean, this is a guy that in 2019, he only played, must have been hurt that year. I should have done some research on him, but he had to have been hurt that year because he only played 29 games in 2019 anywhere. And he hit 214 with a 683 OPS at high A. So with the so what's he doing with the Tigers right now? In four games, the guy is five for eleven with two homers, a triple, seven RBIs, <laughs> slugging almost 1,200, 1,600 OPS. I mean, it's just one of those stories, man. It's a great story. And I saw him make a great play in the outfield. But he's just full of energy and joy, and it's it's really cool to see this guy doing what he's doing. But it just uh, it's a good example of uh, of what I think things changed with that lost season because Braves could have a couple of pitchers like that yep. that have that have only pitched an A ball so far, and don't be surprised if all of a sudden we're going what he's coming to the majors. So that could happen. Well, there's and Michael there's, Harris. There's places you get exposed, you know, once you get to a certain level, and, and there's a pitch you can't hit or 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 something that guys can't execute against you. You know, it, whether you got a hole in your swing up and in or down and away, change-ups just drive you nuts. And in the big leagues, they're able to execute that and expose you where in the, the lower levels they're not, or they don't have the scouting. But, you know, like for him, I'm guessing the legal adjust to him, but they don't know him yet. That's another benefit yeah. you have coming right. up from, from no the idea unknown. Like, oh, we don't know how to throw this guy. So you have to kind of see how the league adjusts to him. But, you know, it's – Sometimes you get forced to make an adjustment that you need to make a lot sooner by playing against a lot higher talent. You know, that, I mean, that happened with yeah. me. You know, I had a six ERA in A ball two years in a row and I was stubborn, hard headed. And, and then all of a sudden I was looking at maybe getting released. The pitching coach sat down with me and showed me some mechanical stuff that I just I wouldn't listen to. You know, I was too hard headed yeah. and I wanted to do it my way. But then I didn't have a choice. He showed me some mechanical stuff that he thought would help me hide the ball better the next year. I was in the big leagues, you know, 14 months later, it took me wow. one season to go from a six ERA and a ball all the way to the big leagues. And I, I pretty much never looked back from that one adjustment. So if these guys are in, you know, they're in high A, they're in double A, they got a hole in their swing and somebody's trying to coach them, but people can't expose you. You know, you can wait for that pitch you can't hit, but they go to that satellite camp and you're pitching against guys like Josh Tomlin that can hit a spot. Yeah. You know, maybe, maybe a guy in like Josh's level doesn't have too much to offer in the big leagues. Josh is a bad example, but a guy that can really pitch yeah. and they're facing him day in, day out where they're like, shit, I have to make this adjustment or I'm never getting to the big leagues, but they don't get exposed until they get there. So a lot of times it winds up accelerating your development a lot by playing against that high talent that can execute. Yeah. I think we're going to see some examples. He's, he's a, he's the first big primary one, but Michael Harris is another one that we're going to see examples of guys who benefited from from that satellite camp because, you know, the vast majority of people had hurt losing a whole season because they sat at home. They didn't have places to play. But the ones that were lucky enough to get invited to these alternate sites, lucky, even though the team had no intention of bringing them up that year, they're going to get lucky because they were better off facing, you know, the Newcombs, the Fultys, yep. the rehabbing major league pitchers, talking to Mark Akis, talking to Charlie Culberson. You know, they're much better off doing that for three months, two months than they would have been facing A-ball competition yeah. every night and riding the buses and 
talking shit like you do when you're <laughs> yeah. 18, 19 years old, ball, you know? Well, and so. getting the chance to show you can compete against that competition to your organization. You know, showing yeah. the coaches that are watching it, damn, Harris, Harris just took Fulty deep twice. Or Harris yeah. hit this guy that that if he's in double A, he's never even getting to show he can do it. Yeah, you know? and getting to work with some of the top instructors in the in the organization rather yeah. than your A ball hitting coach, you know, which might be really good, you know, right. hitting coach, but you're facing, you're you're getting to work with some of the best that the organization organization has. Yeah, and they're sending guys down there to work with you too. Yeah, you know, you know your Chipper Jones type people. You know, yeah. he didn't go down there, but people like that. So anyway, it's interesting. They added a whole new wrinkle to uh, to this, and 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 this guy is the first example of it. I think there's going to be some more of them too. Anyway, all right. Well, Braves open up against the Phillies. I hope they get it in. The weather's shitty here, man. After having such great weather for most of that road it's trip, rain. it's like it rains game time in Atlanta here. all the time. But it has been perfect here in Atlanta when they've been on the road all week. Like 80, 75 to eighty and sunny, and we got storms coming in today and tomorrow. So hopefully they get it in, man. That would suck not being able to play your opening day. But yeah, two off days in a row coming off a doubleheader sweep. You want to ride that momentum? Yeah. All right, well, we'll talk to you guys. This is the first week with two shows, and uh, no shortage of anything to talk about. So we'll be back twice next week. We'll figure out the exact schedule. But let us know what works best for you schedule-wise. We'll try to work around it, guys, listeners, guys and girls. Yeah. So that's it for us. We're out. 755 is real. Yeah.